And just a few minutes after 7 o'clock, Skulls here along with Dave Vaughn. He is handling all the uh, the heavy lifting here on the show tonight. The Employment Hour Monday Night Edition is back at you. As always, phone lines wide open, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, and one 225 talk That is the number if you want to ask Dave some questions about your employment, your severance, your workplace rights, all of that stuff. How much your severance should be? Are you getting enough? Do you get severance? Am I an independent contractor? Is my boss treating me fairly? All those questions anything bring it on ready to answer them emails outside of the show it is help at employmenthour.com as well we'll get to the severance pay calculator in just a bit give you uh, some more details if you're not sure what that tool is or haven't used it we'll uh, we'll run you through it and uh, set you up nicely first so we always start with a little uh, feature called the week that was big dave how are you pal not bad you Good, man. How are you? What's, uh, what do you got going on tonight? Good, yeah. The uh, first uh, situation I wanted to talk about was a, uh, a case where uh, a 35-year-old employee with nine years of service who's an account executive, and they let her go, and there's nothing you know, wrong with that. There's no allegations of cause or anything you know, uh, of that nature. And um, they offered her an eight-month severance package. And uh, 35 years old, nine years of service, account executive. It's pretty good, a pretty good offer, eight months. But then I, so, you know, when I initially looked at it uh, right off the bat, I said, oh, this, you know, this seems pretty reasonable. Then I looked at the actual details of it and uh, spoke with the individual. And the eight months consisted just of base salary. Yep. And uh, as an account executive, as you can imagine, uh, you know, a lot of this person, you know, a big chunk of this person's compensation uh, was commissions and bonuses. Uh, and about 50% um, was salary and 50% was commissions. Additionally, there's a $12,000 car allowance uh, on top of that, So, uh, and they didn't offer that as part of this eight months. So it's just the eight months of base uh, salary and benefits. And uh, so you know, on the face of it, it actually looked like a, a decent decent offer, And uh, but once you got down to it, um, you know, it wasn't based on the full compensation package, and that's an important um, rule to know that, uh, it, you know, in, under the law, that a severance package should be, you know, first we determine the, the length the, the length of the notice period, mm-hmm. but then we look at all forms of compensation. So it must include every, you know, component of the compensation package, the base salary, the bonus, commissions, RSP contributions, pension, uh, car allowance, anything like that needs to be included. And, uh, you know, oftentimes uh, I would say it's very common to see employers, um, you know, try to get away with not giving at least the commissions and the bonus. They'll just give the base salary, and uh, it's a it's a huge issue because that's not you know that's not the the deal. That's not what the person would have earned had they been employed for eight months. They would have earned those commissions or those bonuses, and uh, so you know we were able. To, and there's some great case law that you know some recent stuff that really supports that principle, mm-hmm. uh, and pretty well takes any doubt out of uh, you know anyone's mind about it. So um, we were able to uh, reach out to the company, provide the case law, provide the you know the reasons why um, that you know the eight months wasn't uh, unreasonable, but the fact that it was it was not full compensation um, you know made it virtually uh, you know cut the offer in half. Uh, it made it almost a three month offer when you took the car allowance into consideration too. Um, so we were able to resolve that though on the basis of the full compensation package, and we did. It stayed at eight months, but it was the full compensation. Right, because he was basically not even getting 50 cents on the dollar at that point to right. include the commissions and everything else. Yeah. yeah. Definitely not satisfactory. I know you got another uh, week that was uh, example coming up, but I wanted to bounce over to Tom, who called in nice and early to get uh, a question on the air. Hey, That's Tom, great. how are you? Hey, guys. Good evening. Good, uh, what's going on, brother? Um, I've got a question that uh, that I've never heard answered before. I've been listening to you guys mm-hmm. for quite some time and listened to you know probably 40 podcasts now. Beautiful. Uh, Bring it on. 
I um, I co-founded a company back in 2014 uh, with another uh, with a, my business partner, um, and we were both we both had incorporated companies at the time, so we contracted ourselves to the new company and providing monthly invoices and getting paid that way. Um, in February of 2016, I signed an employment agreement, February 1st, which I actually don't remember doing, uh, but didn't get on payroll with the you know, new legitimized partnership until January of 2017. Um, and then in February, we did a merger with another company and, and have kind of lost control of the company, and I don't really like the direction it's going. And I've my, my title has changed. Um, you know, they've... they've re- so my partner has been removed from the company. Um, my title as um, COO has now dropped to, I'm not even sure what it is. I'm now like a VP of something, but I'm not even clear what the title is. Um, and so I guess the first question is, is the employment contract that I have even valid if it was signed 11 months before being on payroll? Um, and I know you guys have covered many times about the, the small window of opportunity for, for title changes and everything else. So that ship may have sailed as that's a few months old. Um, but, you know, just uh, I figure I'll probably I want to ask about the legitimacy of the contract first and uh, and then probably expect to reach out to Lior and the gang there over the next kind of couple of weeks to explore further options as well. Great. Great. Yeah. What do you think? Good, yeah, good. Uh, good questions. Interesting situation. Um, as we've uh, you know, discussed on the show many times. Uh, to yeah to have um, you know to introduce a contract to the employment relationship, uh, there has to be valid consideration, and what that usually means is um, it's signed before the employment relationship starts, or it's given in exchange for a, a bonus, a signing bonus, a pay raise, or a promotion. Um, in your situation, it sounds like you started actually with the company in 2014. Is that correct? That's correct. We we founded the company together and incorporated in April of 2014. Right. Okay. And even though you were you know, a, a contractor. Did anything really change between 2014 and 2016 when you signed the contract? Uh, no, nothing. Uh, salary remained the same. Well, okay. I call it salary, but uh, you know, contract rate remained the same. Right. It was always a consistent number of hours. It was always 40 hours per week, even yep. though we were working off in 60 to 70. Um, and the only significant t- change came in January 1st of 2017 when I when I went on payroll. Okay, so which was a full eleven months after signing the employment agreement. And then when that happened, when you went on payroll, what changed? Other than uh, just the the obvious that you were now on payroll as opposed to uh, hours. Uh, yeah, so salary changed dramatically. Okay, uh, you know I had vacation pay at that point, um, but I mean really, you know, when it's your own company, you just you work around the clock no matter your right. payroll or contract. I mean that's that's kind of how it how it evolved. Now, did the February first, two thousand sixteen contract? Did that say that it w- you would not start until January two thousand seventeen? No, it did not. So what did it? I mean, did it? What did it say? Like, did uh, it talk about a start date when it would come into effect? Uh, effective February first. But then it wasn't acted upon until January two thousand seventeen. Correct. Okay. Um, I mean, first of all, the fact that it sounds like you were always an employee the whole time at you know under the law, even though you weren't called that. Right. Um, so, I think there'd be an avenue to you know to attack the contract in that regard because you started in two thousand fourteen, and it sounds like everything you know was pretty well the same, other than you were formalizing that you know you're actually an employee instead of a contractor. So right there, there could be an argument about uh, that you know to to get rid of the contract, uh, the enforceability of it, mm-hmm. and in terms of the February two thousand sixteen to January two thousand seventeen issue, um, that probably would 
Um, I, I mean, I, I, it's a very unique situation. Uh, I've never really, you know, had that come up where um, you sign a contract and uh, it just essentially doesn't come into effect. Um, like, did the January 2017, did it, did it follow the contract or was anything said, okay, now the February contract's in effect? No, absolutely not. It was it was just quite literally like the company was starting to legitimize to the point where we'd hired a few employees in December and they were on payroll. You know, we finally okay. had to get to the point where we had to set up payroll. Okay, I got so it. We'd actually hired legitimate employees before we were on payroll ourselves, and it just kind of the way everything, uh, you know, morphed. Um, but I've never found anything in any of the podcasts or heard anything about a stale dated contract. And so I just, that, well, that was the primary curiosity so, for me. Right. There's nothing wrong with ha- signing a contract. In fact, that's the way you're supposed to do it is have the contract signed and then it comes into effect later. Um, that's how a contract is supposed to work. Uh, well, it's bunch is excessive, no? <laughs> it, well, it is, but I mean, you're the one doing it, aren't you? Uh, I suppose, but I mean, you know, over the course of several years, I mean, we accepted uh, several million dollars of investment over the years. Um, yeah. So I have signed more legal documents than I care to remember, and most of them I haven't even read. So it's possible that I only signed the back page of the contract without even knowing what I was signing because that was just part of doing business and trying to start a company with a with a business partner. Okay. Um, so I actually didn't even recall signing a, a employment letter. I had to go to accounting and say, "Do I have any kind of uh, you know contract?" And they said, "Well, here's one that we have for you from February 2016." So now, does it have a termination clause in it? Um, it does. Yeah. Um, it's you know for change of control uh, if the board of directors changes, and it it actually indicates what I think is a pretty fair severance in a couple of different cases. Okay. Um, but so that's why I'd like but to not... reach out to the, to the office to have you guys review it. Yeah, that, it's a that... bad contract that I want to get rid of. Or right. Or, or maybe it's a good one. To. Yeah. So that that makes sense. I I think we'd have to review the contract to actually have this you know have a, a fruitful discussion about it. Uh, I can tell you that like I was saying. Um, you know, a contract signed in advance is okay. I mean, if it said it, this is not going to come into effect until, you know, several months down the road, even if it said a, a year, um, that's fine. Um, but uh, the issue, the the way if you had to attack it, other than the, the fact that, you know, it sounds, sounds like everything was, you know, um, you were always an employee from 2014 onward, the other way to do it would just to say that the February 2016 contract actually never even came into effect and that you just... You signed it, but then it, it wasn't acted upon, and then a year later, you just happened to be put on payroll. Um, and because you know, you, obviously, if the February 2016 contract doesn't have a start date, um, who's to say when? You know, why? Why is that the contract that's applied oh. in January 2017? Um, so it effectively could be argued either way, then, depending on whether it's a benefit or a detriment. Yeah, and and just we'd have to look at the actual, you know, the wording of the contract. Um, and the language used. So definitely give us a call. In terms of your second question, it's a great question. Um, so it sounds like so the, the change of con- ownership happened February 2018? So just a couple uh, of months February, ago? No, February 2017. Oh, that's when, the, that's when the ownership changed? Okay. So that's when you started to be basically de- demoted effectively? Uh, well, the, the demotion was more, you know, December, Over. January of, of, you know, recent. Okay. Uh, in the last four or five months. Yeah, I mean, obviously, in, you know, in, we've talked about this before as well, that, you know, it's it's important to act quickly when you're faced with constructive dismissal uh, and, cha- you know, and changes to the terms of employment. But, you know, in your case, it sounds like there's kind of, you know, a, you know, it doesn't sound like everything is set in stone. Um, so I, I think it would be easy for, for you to say, you know, I was, you know, there's been a lot of changes going on in the last several years. Uh, you know, I, I thought I was, uh, you know, I wanted to stay on and, and see if it, it worked. 
and I've realized now that it hasn't, that it's not possible to continue. Um, because another mistake people make is jumping too quickly and saying, no, this is a constructive dismissal, I'm leaving, and then they don't actually, they, they never even tested it out. Um, well, and the other thing that makes this case kind of unique is that I don't have a job description. I mean, I started the company. Right. So I've done absolutely everything that needed to be done from, you know, turning a screwdriver to, uh, and, you know, installing windows on computers and everything else in between. So yeah, right. um, I even now don't have a job description. I don't even know how my job has changed other than the fact that my title has changed and it's less prestigious. So at this point, I'm not too concerned, but I'm not happy with how management is taking the company now, right? Um, which is why I just want to explore some options. But like I said, I was really curious about that, that contract 11 months in advance of actually effectively being hired because nobody's ever asked anything like this that I could find in any of the archives. And so, uh, so yeah, that was the burning question that I had to have answered. So. Definitely a uh, strange situation. But uh, I, you know, that's pr- why you haven't found anything on it. Um, but uh, you know, it, it will depend on um, just how the contract was introduced, what the wording is, and how what happened in January 2017. Um, you know, if someone said, you know, based on your January 2017 contract, we're now bringing you, you know, sorry, the February 2016 contract, we're now bringing, you know, that's now in effect. That could be an issue, but um, I think it's give us a call tomorrow and uh, we can go over everything. Tom, that number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred again one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. You can call through as well if you've got questions about your own job, your own severance, something you've been scratching your head about. Easy enough. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell and one triple eight two two five talk. That number here tonight is toll free, of course. Lots more of the employment hour is on the way. Global News Radio six forty Toronto. Yeah, there's plenty of time still to call in, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, one 225 toll uh, toll free, 225-TALK is the number you want to use till around 10 to 8 tonight. And uh, we'll bounce right over to uh, to Steve. Hey, Steve, good evening. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. One of the, one of the best uh, paid commercial programs on radio, I must say. Uh, you're a good love, man. Love listening to you guys. Listen, um, last week my employer came down with a decree from on high that if we now clock in uh, a minute uh, before or right at our uh, assigned clock-in time, we are going to be considered late with all the ramifications that come with that. And and it just struck me as, uh, I don't know, a little draconian and maybe not even right. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't sound like it. Um, does is it because it takes you a certain amount of time to actually get to your workplace, get to workstation? Well, maybe that's maybe that's it. Um, like, but is that does it like does it take you five to ten minutes to get over to where you got to work? Oh golly, no. No, okay. Um, oh. Like how how far is you know from the time you you clock in until the time you start working, like, you know, get to your, where you're working? How long does it take? Well, for me myself, I mean, I get there early every day. I'm uh, because of my bus schedule. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm there 20 minutes before clock in time. Uh, but you know, it, maximum it would take two minutes for okay. uh, it, it, the, the farthest end of the plant for yeah. employee if they clocked in to get to uh, their workstation. But the thing is, is this has never been an issue before. Right. And it's an issue, and it just I don't Did know. Did they provide a reason? Did they provide some an explanation? Nope. No, okay. Um, I mean, you know, I, I can tell you that um, 
in terms of the the policy, um, you can you know you should ask about it, um, just try to understand the logic of it, um, and see what their response is to it. If you're in a situation or one of your colleagues is where uh, they actually are, you know, they show up a minute before, uh, clock in and show up, you know, as you've said, like a minute before their shift is supposed to start and they get disciplined for that, um, you know, if they're verbally uh, warned or, or, you know, if there's a written warning, um, you know, they should absolutely, you know, dispute that and, uh, you know, explain exactly what happened. Um, they're, you know, they're actually on on time or, or early by a minute. Um, I, I would be shocked if a, uh, you know, if that was ever found, you know, to be cause for termination, um, you know, showing up a minute early to the shift because um, it's clearly just not late. Um, if the shift starts at a certain time, the employer can't just make up, you know, say, that, oh, it's, you know, ha- you have to be there 15 minutes early and we're not going to pay you for it. <clears throat> okay, I understand that. Uh, <clears throat> I think I understand. I think I understand. I, I, in fact, I know why they're doing it. I mean, we do have employees that take advantage of the situation. They come in, they get, they go in the change room, you know, I, you know they clock in. It, uh, you know, they come in at seven thirty, they clock in at seven thirty, and then they spend five minutes in the change room, right, chatting and this, that, and the other thing. <clears throat> and I understand, you know, so I think uh, I know where they're, I know why they're doing it. But it's just I not. Really yeah, I, there are people that take advantage of uh, of the situation. Right. And uh, but it just seems um, uh, I don't know. For well, me, you're, uh, you're right. It it isn't. You know, it's not a. But, but, but if you but let's say you're in the change room, you've changed. You come out of the change room. It's uh, you know seven. It's uh, six six fifty nine. You clock in and you're off to your workstation. Um, I, I don't quite get how that's considered late. No, you're you're, you're absolutely right. Not ready to work. It's not. Uh, I don't know. I, I think we're all on the same page here. Uh, it, it's not right to do that. The policy is is not legitimate. And so, based on your concern, like, you know, what you think the reason is is because there's certain people that you know they. I, I get that. I, I see where that would come up. They come in, they clock in, and then they go they go do some other stuff. You know, hang out in the change room or what whatnot. Yes. That's the way to address it. Is to you know to, to you know say once you clock in, you need to go right to your workstation. Yes, and um, you- that's the appropriate policy, not the one that they've done, which is um, you know basically punishes everyone, uh, even if you're not going and uh, hanging out uh, for for a couple of minutes before. They will exactly. We're not in kindergarten anymore, are we? Uh, and this is part of the problem. Is this, with, with everything in society now, it's this sort of draconian kidney garden mentality where we're going to penalize everybody because there's a few people that are, you know, take advantage of the situation. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and, and we have, we, and, and you have a, a management and it's difficult. I understand that it's difficult for management to um, address uh, situations like this because most people don't like confrontation. They don't want to single people out and say, look, you're taking advantage of the situation. You know, get your butt to work. Uh, well, at least this is the way it is at my place. They just don't want to confront people, especially long-term employees. And where I work, it's long-term employees that are the worst ones taking advantage of it. So, you know what? I think you're doing the right thing. <laughs> I, just, I just think they, they, they may end up getting themselves in a little bit of trouble for it. And I yeah, I mean, if you want to just if you want to address those people without or, or that issue without singling them out, all you have to do is make a policy that you can't 
you know, you can't go uh, hang out and, you know, you will be um, punished for basically not doing your work, you're doing your job. Uh, if you do it after you, you clock in, it's that simple. So that'd yeah. be the appropriate way to approach it. And you're absolutely right that uh, the policy, um, you know, isn't the best way to do things. Well, especially since it's uh, this is new, and this is something I hear constantly on, on your show, is that, uh, you know, when you, you, you sort of implement something like this, where it's always been the other way forever since I've been there, and I've been there a very long time, and then all of a sudden you're saying, well, you know, no, not anymore. Now you can't clock in at, uh, you know, uh, 6.59. You've got to clock in at 6.58. Or, Dave, is there anything you could do or, or no? Late, <laughs> you know. The it, it's only. Gonna, I mean, you can ask about the policy and ask them to explain it and uh, you know voice your concerns. Uh, but in, until it becomes an actual issue that they've punished someone, um, and that person can obviously uh, or discipline someone, that person could could address the issue. But um, you know, in, until it actually you know becomes an actual issue, then there's not a lot you can do. Um, like I've said, it's a the policy doesn't make sense. Uh, it wouldn't support uh, breaching the policy. Wouldn't support a termination for cause. So, um, practically speaking, there's really not, um, you know, uh, not a lot to worry about because it's not going to be enforceable from a, you know, employment law perspective. Uh, it, it just doesn't make sense the, the policy. Steve, appreciate that call. In the if well, if it gets worse around the workplace, you know the number to keep handy one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, and to help at employmenthour.com as well. Appreciate that for the uh, call tonight. Open lines for you as well. You have concerns and questions four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell, and one triple eight two two five. Talk that number is toll free tonight. I want to talk about this and just general termination of employment. So. Is it generally more difficult to terminate for cause an employee who, say, has been worked for the company for a long time or a long service employee as opposed to a short service employee? Yeah, it definitely is. And, uh, you know, just cause for termination is uh, is very uh, is a very high standard. Um, it's very difficult for an employer to establish just cause because what that means is they don't have to provide the employee with a severance package. Um, and, you know, that's going to be uh, more difficult to prove cause uh, when there's a long service employee, especially if that employee has a you know a long track record of uh, you know no discipline, and then all of a sudden they you know they do something wrong, they make a mistake, they they you know their performance uh, slips, and all of a sudden uh, the employer is trying to you know establish cause for termination. It's going to be very very difficult. Um, another issue that comes up kind of in this realm is that you know people with long it's when employers rely on you know. A number of different incidents of misconduct to establish cause, and you know, and that's the appropriate approach is to um, you know document uh, misconduct, warn the person about it, and um, to establish cause. Now, the issue comes up with long service employees is that when em- employers start going back, you know, ten years, say, well, right. you know, ten years ago you did this, and you know, three <sighs> years after that you did this, um, you know, two years later, you know, you had this issue. Um, you know, you can only really rely on you know the the, the more recent misconduct and, and misconduct that's related um, to show that there's you know obviously a pattern here um, that uh, the person started you know has their their performance has dropped and you know they're now you know they've been guilty of misconduct uh, on a number of different times we've warned them and nothing's being done about it. That's what you have to do to establish cause, and uh, it is very difficult uh, to establish for long service employees. What if someone's not long service? For instance, they've uh, only been around for I don't know a couple months, a few months. Does that mean they only get like a week or two severance? 
Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good question and a uh, very common misconception actually. And uh, you know, we speak to uh, speak to people uh, often who are you know short service employees and they've been let go and they've looked up online or you know or on the ministry's website or um, you know they've they've spoken with a friend. They say, oh, you know, it's it's only a week per week or two per uh, you know a year uh, yeah. service. Um, you know, you don't. I'm only I've only been here for a year or two, and uh, you know, I, that, therefore I, I don't get a lot of severance. And that's not true. Um, you know, there's no specific formula based on length of service um, to determine the severance package. And uh, in fact, shorter service employees get comparatively longer severance packages in many cases. Um, you know, even if you've, you know, you've only been there for several months, um, you're usually going to get a couple months, a few months uh, worth of severance and uh, depending on your age and your length of service and, uh, or sorry, the, uh, the position you have and uh, you know, your uh, prospects for, of reemployment. Um, and that's because it's going to take um, a lot, you know, it's still going to take you several months to find a new job. Um, right. Even if you were only employed for a few months, it doesn't mean you can just jump into another job right away. Um, and that's really one of the you know the main purposes of the severance uh, period, the severance package, is to bridge the gap of unemployment. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale one triple eight two two five talk that number's toll free lots of time still to uh, to call in ask your questions if, uh, questions if any of this has piqued your interest uh, by the way so does the employer now that we determine there is severance owed and uh, full severance full compensation does it have to be paid um, at once say a lump sum or is there pay continuance do you have a choice in some cases yeah so um, the at, at common law we'll we'll talk about common law severance first. Mm-hmm. Um, it can actually be provided by an employer uh, in a number of different ways. And the one way is that it can actually be given by way of working notice. So the right. employer can say, you know, in 12 months, uh, your employment is going to terminate. And they get credit for that. So they've given the person, you know, a 12-month severance package. Um, they can, you know, most of the ones I see are lump sums. They say, you know, your, your employment terminates today and we're, we're, we'll offer you, you know, a 12-month severance package um, uh, as a lump sum payment. We'll pay it within, you know, 14 days or seven days of signing this release. Um, sometimes they do a combination. So you can do, you know, six months working notice. And then if you stay until the end, we'll give you an additional six month lump sum. Um, you know, I'd, I'd say that's a bit more rare, but uh, it is possible and does happen. And then the other one is uh, installments or uh, salary continuation where you're not actually working. Um, the, the employee doesn't work it, but it's actually paid out uh, just over time. Uh, some companies don't have the the fund to just give the person a, a lump yep. sum payment. Uh, and sometimes when they do those the installments of the salary continuation, um, they actually make it subject to mitigation. And what that means is that you have an obligation to advise the employer if you get a new job, and they will cut off the payments. And in most cases, they'll actually pay you, you know, 50% of the remaining amounts right. um, just to give you some uh, incentive to find a new job. So it could say, you know, we'll, do, we'll give you 12 months salary continuation. And, you know, at any time you get a new job, you tell us, we'll stop payment and pay you 50% of the remaining amount. So let's say you're unemployed for six months. You've been, you know, you, you get paid for that six-month period. You get a new job. They'd pay you three months. Um, just to cover the balance, you've actually got a nine-month severance package, even though you got a job at the six-month mark. Uh, so those are all the different ways that common law severance can be provided. We'll get to a, uh, another call as we carry on here in the Monday night edition of the Employment Hour. Sydney, how are you? Hi, how are you doing today? Good, pal. What's uh, what's going on with you? Okay, uh, be, I'll make it quick. I went to uh, the Employment Hour uh, to get my severance pay because the company let me go is uh, a wrongful dismissal. And what I'd like to know is... You guys got me my money. I got my severance pay. 
I was on unemployment insurance for uh, four months, and when I got let go, they gave me a month's severance, and that's why I went be with the employment hour guys to get me uh, my severance pay. Now, what I want to know is, do I have to pay all that money back that I just got from my severance pay to the unemployment office? So I obviously can't speak to your specific situation. I don't know the, uh, the whether there's a deal or not or anything like that, but um, the way that EI works yes. is that you can't collect severance pay and employment insurance at the same time. Right. So if you're let go and you're you know you you're let go for cause, let's say they don't pay you anything, right? And you're unemployed, you know. So and, but you do get on EI because EI, you know, oftentimes will still give you severance pay, um, or, or sorry, uh, employment insurance benefits, even if there's uh, cause because it's not the same standard. Right. They so, did give me unemployment insurance. So they they give you unemployment insurance. Let's say they give you you get unemployment insurance for nine months. Right. Okay. If you get a severance package for nine months, you'd have to pay back. EI would ask you to pay back the EI you got f- during that nine-month period of time. Okay. However, what it usually means is that you can go, but you can then apply for EI again because it's as if you never got it if you're right. still unemployed. Right. So that's the way uh, that's the way EI uh, works. But um, you know, that you, you can't collect it at the same time as getting severance. So even though I didn't, I wasn't collecting the, my severance pay at the same time I was getting EI. I still have to pay it back because I got it now. I was collecting unemployment for four months, and I just got my severance check today. So I would have to pay that back, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's kind of like double dipping, right? It is, yes. Okay. I wasn't sure. There's no way around that. No, no, there's not. EI will make you do it. Okay. <laughs> That's what I did at all. It's worth a shot, though. Appreciate it, Sydney. Yeah. Uh, any other time you need to uh, <coughs> pardon me, talk to Dave, one eight five five eight two one. Uh, 5,900, talking about termination of employment. Is there cause? Does the employer still need to pay severance if there is cause? Anytime? So to establish cause, like we said, it's very difficult, right? Um, and uh, with that said, um, with that said, the, uh, you know, they have to uh, establish like a, a long pattern of misconduct, right? Um, and that's what they have to do to withhold severance pay, to not give the severance pay. And it's very difficult to do. And um, I would say in most cases, the employer is not going to be able to establish cause. And interestingly, cause under the common law is not the same as cause under the Employment Standards Act. Cause under the Employment Standards Act called, is called willful misconduct, and it's a much higher threshold. So an employer can actually establish cause and not pay common law severance, but may still have to pay ESA severance and ESA termination pay. So there's different standards there. So um, there's actually two different uh, entitlements there, and you could be entitled to ESA severance and termination pay, but not uh, common law. What do you say the employer says it has terminated your employment for cause? What's my next step? Um, well, in most cases, what will happen is they'll, they'll call you into a, a room or a meeting. Yeah. They'll tell you about the misconduct that you're alleged to do uh, or have done. And, um, you know, at that point, it, stay calm. Don't say anything that's going to, uh, you know, you know, anger anyone or, or make you look bad. Listen to what they have to say. You can point out your side of the story. Tell them what happened. Um, but in most cases, they've already made the decision at that point, so they'll just escort you off the property. Don't yeah. sign anything. Don't say anything yeah. you're going to regret. And then give us a call right away. Right, because that, that, that's the most important thing is to call you guys to take the next steps, right? It is, yeah. And, and you know, a lot of time what we see is um, a, an employer will allege cause, but they'll offer something. 
and they'll they'll give a tight deadline or a tight time frame, and uh, they'll they'll say you know because of this misconduct uh, we have caused to terminate your employment therefore you're not entitled to anything however because you know we're we're, we're being generous we'll pay you you know a really small amount of money um, if you sign this release and make this go away um, you know that's I, I would say never sign that until you've to- spoken with right. a lawyer because. Um, you know, in most cases, that the employer is not going to be able to establish cause, and uh, it's going to be, um, you know, you are likely entitled to a lot more. And and you know, if an employer is willing to pay you something, um, you know, to make it go away, um, it shows that they don't necessarily believe in their case. If they really believed in their case, uh, if they thought they had cause, they would likely go ahead and, and allege that and not, uh, you know, not pay you uh, anything really. That number to get a hold of Dave or Lior anytime, by the way, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmenthour.com. You want to find out how much severance you should be getting. It's a simple tool called the Severance Pay Calculator. You uh, you log in there either on your desktop or on your tablet or your, your iPad. It'll tell you with a few uh, couple of key pieces of information how much severance and how long you should be getting that for. There's a contact button at the bottom, or you just walk away anonymous. It's free. There's nowhere to put a visa in there, nothing. It's absolutely free. And uh, you can try it out uh, like right now, if you want to. So what do you do if the employer threatens to terminate an appointment with cause? They haven't done it yet. They're just threatening that they're going to do it. Yeah, there's a few different ways that can come up. Uh, the one way I see it happen is, uh, like we just spoke about, they, they actually threaten to terminate for cause, but then terminate uh, without cause and, uh, and offer something and try to scare you. Um, but the other way it comes up is uh, they say, you know, we're going to terminate you for cause unless you resign. That's the big oh. one, right? And that's um, a, a huge mistake. Uh, never, never agree to that uh, type of a deal because, um, first of all, you're not going to get EI because if you uh, if you resign, you don't get EI. And uh, second, if you resign, you're not entitled to severance pay. And uh, so you've really helped out the employer. Uh, you've helped them save a lot of money, and you've uh, you know made sure that you're not going to get a severance package. Um, you know, and uh, you know if they do that, you can you, you ask them why. Uh, ask them for you know what what's the reason? What's the what's the misconduct I'm accused of, and uh, and go from there and see what they do. Some people are concerned that you know a termination for cause will and can impact on their future employment. Like, what do you tell a prospective new employer about the reason you were let go? What do you suggest they do? Yeah, that's always a difficult one because um, you know you you need to be truthful. You don't want to uh, obviously lie to prospective employers. Um, but uh, the best thing to do is at the time of termination, um, you know, as part of the negotiation process, um, we always insist on some type of letter of recommendation or a confirmation of employment letter. And if that's the case, um, you know, the, the, all you do is you use that, right? You'd hand that over to the prospective employer and, um, and there's not going to be an issue. Um, you know, as if you don't have a deal yet, you haven't had a, you know, you haven't resolved the case, you don't have that reference letter. Um, another thing to do is, uh, you know, talk to people you've worked with um, in the past. Uh, maybe there's an old, old boss or an old colleague that can give you a reference because uh, that can really help. Um, it, you know, obviously, if they're going to, if you're applying to a new job, um, and if they want to find out what happened, they're going to call the employer, and so they may do that. So, you know, you need to be truthful. You need to explain your side of the story. Um, but the best way to do it is to negotiate for a fair, um, you know, a severance package and a reference letter at the time of termination. Is there a rule of thumb in terms of how much severance an employee should get? I'm totally leading on with this one. Totally. Yes, I know. Maybe I should change my answer sometime and say that there is. Yeah, um, right. there's a There's a rule of thumb. But no, um, like we've talked about, like the calculator uh you know, uh, outlines, there's um, three main factors that the courts use to determine severance, age, years of service, and position. 
So the older you are, the longer you've been there, and the more senior or specialized your job, the more you get. Um, but there's no, um, you know, there's no rule of thumb like two weeks per year service or a month per year service. You have to look at those other factors, the age uh, and the position. And, you know, there's other factors that can come into play. Um, you know, the availability of similar employment is a huge one. If you're in a unique industry uh, or an industry that's in decline, uh, if it's a, a position, a, a very specialized position with not a lot of, uh, you know, not, not a lot of options out there, that is going to increase the severance package. Other things that can come into play is: Do you have a work, you know, a medical condition or an injury um, that prevents you from uh, doing, um, you know, certain jobs uh, that you've always, you know, I've, and I see that happen quite a bit. People, someone's worked, uh, you know, as a laborer. They, you know, do they do heavy lifting? Uh, maybe they do it for twenty years. They, all of a sudden, they start getting, you know, back issues. Yeah. And then the employer decides, uh, well, we're going we're gonna to let you go. Um, you know, a lot of time it does come up because of a medical, uh, you know, in relation to the medical issue, unfortunately. Um, but that's going to increase the severance package because all of a sudden the job that the gentleman had done, you know, the, the, the heavy lifting job the person had done their entire career, um, they can't apply for those jobs anymore. And, you know, so what are they supposed to do? Um, you know, so that's why um, there's really no thought, rule of thumb. You need to, uh, you know, Give us a call and go through all the relevant factors, um, you know. And uh, those are those can be very uh, you know specific. Um, another one that John, you and I have talked about in the past is uh, non-competition agreements. You bet. Uh, if you if you if you signed a non-compete at the start and uh, you know they're trying to enforce that, that can uh, greatly increase the severance package. A lot of information there, man. We'll uh, we'll leave it there for the night. The number to get a hold of Dave Lior, member of the team, it's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour.com. If you didn't catch this show or all of it, we'll be back on Wednesday night at seven o'clock. The weekend shows, and of course, Employment Hour and Thirty happens on the weekend mornings on Global TV and CTV as well. Until next time, I'll leave you with it: severancepaycalculator.com and help at employmenthour.com as well. On Point with Alex Pearson is coming uh, coming up next right here on Global News Radio.